to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. Welcome to this very special edition of Truth and Liberty. On September 11, 2023, this is 22 years after 9-11-2001. Hi, Alex McFarland here. So honored that you're with us. A lot to talk about. We have got a power pack show, very special guest, Sherry Few, that we'll meet in just a moment. And I do want to say big kudos to Richard Harris and April Zlatnik and all of the crew that helped put together the Truth and Liberty Conference that was this past weekend, September 7 through 9, there at Karis uh, Bible College. I want to say Karis University, which it's fast becoming, I believe, one of the preeminent maybe the preeminent Christian school in the world. But I want to say a big thank you to Andrew Womack and Richard Harris and everybody that came. There were just huge crowds. I had the honor of speaking at the Truth and Liberty Conference, along with David Barton, who was just unbelievable. And folks, you can see so many of these, these uh, teaching sessions and lectures and go to truthandliberty.net. It was amazing. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But I want you to think about where you were when you watched the events unfold of September 11, 2001. And I want to, if I may, share a little bit about my own experiences. Later on in the program, we're going to open up the phones and uh, you can converse with Sherry Few and myself. But maybe you want to talk about September 11 and what it means and uh, how we can pray for our nation. And we, we needed to return to God 22 years ago. We need it now more than ever. And that number, when we open up the phones after this first segment, the number is going to be 719-619-2341. As always, 719-619-2341. Uh, but my guest, Sherry Few, I want to bring her up, then I want to share some things. But Sherry, welcome. You and I have done a couple of media interviews in, in recent months. And like myself, you care about the, the way that our young people are being miseducated. You care about parents' rights in terms of their children's education. But I want to thank you tonight. I believe this is your first uh, visit with us on Truth and Liberty. But Sherry Few, welcome to the program. Thank you, Alex. I was so thrilled to see you were hosting tonight because I know we always have a great conversation. We, we do. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember, did, did I first meet you at National Religious Broadcasters? How did we connect, Sherry? Well, I think we connected through our public relations firm and we did an interview. I know we've done a couple and there were different shows, I think. So you get yeah. around, don't you? Well, a little bit. There's a lot to do these days. And the website for Sherry's organization, USPIE.org, like PI, USPI.org. Sherry, what do you all do with uh, USPI? Well, we're a national nonprofit organization, and we have um, a leadership team that represents five different states. 
and we have 22 state chapters. So we're really excited about how we're growing because parents and, and taxpayers are just very concerned about how um, bad the government schools have become as far as indoctrinating children and no, no academic results. But our mission is to close the U.S. Department of Education and end all federal education mandates because we understand that that's where the majority of the nefarious pedagogy originates and it's incentivized with federal dollars. So we understand that that's the head of the snake and we mm -hmm. have some um, plans that I'd love to share as we continue to talk about how we can accomplish that. Well, amen. And, and folks, education is such an important topic because Abraham Lincoln said that the philosophy in the classroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the culture in the next generation. And, you know, let's talk about 9-11 because Sherry, as I'm sure you know, kids aren't being taught about 9-11. I was just on another interview program earlier this afternoon and, uh, you know, 20 somethings and younger don't even know what 9-11 was. And, you know, we were attacked by terrorists from Saudi Arabia. But folks, I, I want to share this. And Sherry, I want you to share whatever reminiscences or experiences you had. Folks, it, it was September 11. And I'm a young evangelist trying to get my organization up off the ground. I never take any time off. But I had blocked out two weeks that I was going to take off. Well, 9-11 happened that morning uh, that we watched the, the trade towers fall and then the, the plane that hit the Pentagon and then the plane that went down in a Pennsylvania field. About mid-morning, I got a call from the Billy Graham ministry. Now, I had been on the Billy Graham radio show, Decision Radio, and they called me up and they said, hey, uh, you're that worldview guy. And I said, well, yeah. They said, do you know anything about Islam? I said, actually, yeah, how to share the gospel and respond to Islam. Well, a few more phone calls later, and it's by, you know, early afternoon. I'm packing a bag because I'm going to get on a bus and go to New York City. We got to New York City, I don't know, 1, 1.30 a.m. on September 12th. And by sunrise, we were down there in the rubble of Ground Zero, ministering to people, sharing the gospel. It got more and more organized. Um, a couple of days after 9-11 happened, the New York Stock Exchange reopened, and they sent me with a box of 400 Billy Graham tracks, Steps to Peace with God by Billy Graham, the evangelist. And I went down to the stock exchange and I was told to meet. I gave a brief devotional with some leaders there. The stock exchange had just reopened. And listen to this, folks. And then, Sherry, I'm going to come to you. But five o'clock, the stock exchange closed after just reopening that day. It was like September 13. Um, but a number of people came out. Well, right in front of the New York Stock Exchange is a crosswalk. And there were two dozen men at the crosswalk. Um, and I said, I have a booklet here by Billy Graham. The Billy Graham ministry has come and we know people are hurting. Well, out of the crowd, a man shouts to me. He says, uh, is the world going to end? See, the, those jets hit the trade towers. You know, 3,000 people had died in a matter of seconds. 
um, you know, nobody knew. I mean, what's going to happen? Are we at World War III? And, you know, I really believe the Holy Spirit gave me the way to respond because I said, the gentleman wants to know, is the world coming to an end? I said, before that crosswalk changes in 120 seconds, two minutes, I don't know the date the world is going to end, but I can tell you how to be ready. And had you been in those trade towers and heaven forbid you had died, I can tell you how to be ready. And so I begin to share the gospel, Sherry. And I, you know, here's now seven or eight dozen, nearly a hundred men in Armani suits in front of the New York Stock Exchange. And I said, if you're going to open your heart and you want to be born again and you want Jesus in your life, I want you to raise your hand. 100% of all the hands went up. I stayed there. I gave away all 400 gospel booklets and it was nearly eight o'clock, well after dark. They came looking for me. What happened to Alex? But people were open and group after group after group would come out of the stock exchange, stand at that crosswalk. And I, street preaching style, was leading all these people to Christ. I give God the glory. Now, one last thing, folks. 22 years ago, we had a thing called patriotism. And I'll never forget, Sunday, September 16, we're in New York City. We've been up there now, you know, four or five days. And we got up early to go to Times Square Church with David Wilkerson. It was amazing. It was packed, thousands and thousands of people there. Well, I bought a Sunday New York Times paper that I have to this day. Now, in 2023, people denigrate America. It seems like it's fashionable to trash America. But that Sunday, I got the New York Times. And of course, still, the world is raw with emotion. What has happened? And I opened the New York Times. There were dozens and dozens of full-page ads. France, it said, America, you saved us in World War II. The French people are indebted to you. We don't know what happened, but France is with you. Turn the page. Greece says, America, Greece is with you. Whatever we can do, we're sorry. Uh, nation after nation, Canada, England, Scotland, Ireland. And folks, I turn the page, and there's this full-page ad, and it was the nation of Israel. They said, America, you are the best friend the Jewish people have ever had. We don't know where this is going. Our intel is at your disposal, our military. We don't know where this will wind up, but please know we love you. Our prayers are with you. The nation of Israel is on your side. And, and Sherry, it angers me. It breaks my heart the way that I, I speak at American universities. I speak in public schools, and I hear kids tell me over and over how their teachers almost want the kids to hate America. And 9-11 reminds me, second only to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest force for good, benevolence, truth, kindness, the greatest force for good this planet has ever seen, second only to the church, has been the United States of America. And Sherry, I applaud what you're doing on this 9-11. I'm reminded of how urgent, urgently we as good stewards have to take our nation back. But Sherry, I want to give you a chance to talk. Um, give us your thoughts, past and present, 9-11 and the, the, the soul and future of our country. 
Okay, thank you, Alex. Wow, what an amazing testimony. That's that's so wonderful to hear how you were able to transform the lives of those uh, after 9-11. And I, I think God worked in, in lots of miraculous ways following that tragedy. And, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me the most is, is the sense of unity and patriotism that flooded our country. And so you would never today see on a school marquee in God We Trust. But in the small community where I live, every school marquee had in God We Trust. And, and people were flocking to churches that were unchurched people. And they were welcomed. And, you know, there was crying and praying. And people were fully united in support of our country. The patriotism was unbelievable. And so, you know, that just shows, as we know, God can work things together for good. And even in that horrible tragedy, we saw some good results in, in the coming together of American citizens. And so mm. it's, it's such a shame that from there we are where we are today. Of course, a lot of things transpired um, in that lull. And I would, I would like to think, because I hadn't really thought about this, Alex, um, until you started talking about it. But I'd like to think that our adversaries, the ones that are pushing this anti-American agenda in schools and in our country, no doubt had their plans fully made at that time. And think about how we set them back, how this attack on our country set them back. So it was years probably before they could really begin to advance their uh, really accelerated agenda that we see in the government schools today. So mm -hmm. you're exactly right. Children are being taught to hate themselves, one another, and their country. And, you know, it stems from this notion that our country is systemically racist. And so the schools are full of anti-American propaganda and anti-Christian propaganda. So and, what replaces and, and, it is... Well, yes. Yeah, well, so, you know, uh, go ahead. Yes. Well, I was just going to tie in the Marxist critical theory. So, you know, the Marxists have no room for God. So you have to run God out in order to replace um, our form of government, which I believe is the intentional agenda with the brainwashing of children in government schools is they want to change our country from a constitutional republic into um, a Marxist or communist nation or part of a one world order, which we know is, is coming. Uh, but in the meantime, we are called to stand. We understand that it's a spiritual battle and there's a lot that can be done. Sure. Sure. And, and folks, you've got to understand uh, with our nation, our moral, economic, social problems, violence, suicide, the breakdown of the family, the illegitimacy rate. I mean, all of the pathologies that threaten to cost us our constitutional republic and with it, the loss of our freedom, stability, prosperity. Sherry, there, there are a lot of fingers, uh, a lot of directions we could point our fingers, but one of the worst uh, forces for programming, indoctrination, and brainwashing has been American public education now for, I'm going to say, five to six decades. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yes. It, it's been going on for quite some time. I've been studying education policy for more than 
25 years. And when I first got involved, I was witnessing things in my children's uh government school curriculum. So my kids are in their mid thirties now. And then it wasn't as blatant as it is today, but it had already begun. And I know after having studied the history, it began far, far earlier than that. We could even trace it back probably before the sixties with, um, you know, some of the philosophy that was put into the colleges and universities, the Marxists and the communists that had infiltrated our, our colleges and universities. But it's mm. certainly from the time my children were in school and I saw uh, in their geography lessons that they were glorifying forms of government like the Chinese and mm. and uh, vilifying our, our form of government. And this was quite a while ago, but I recognized it. And that's what that in addition to the um, sexualization of children, the comprehensive sex education that that was happening at the time as well. Those two things caused me to get involved and, and try to make a difference because what I learned was the schools weren't interested in my involvement unless it were to help uh, raise money for the PTA or to be sure my kids were doing their homework and were to school on time. Beyond that, um, they checked me at the door and they weren't interested. I would go to school board meetings and, and we fought at that time to uh, make changes and we were effective in making changes. But Amen. of course, since that time, it has gotten so much worse. Um, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, I mean, that was definitely a mark um, when things began to, to really uh, unfold in the K-12 schools. You know, it's, and we, it may have started even with um, this, the football players, you know, taking a knee for the national anthem. And, and this kind of mentality was spreading. And, and so, you know, these young people are fully indoctrinated K through 12, and then they go off to the very liberal colleges and universities. And, you know, it's no wonder they're doing things like taking a knee. And, and um, my daughter-in-law, who is in her early 30s, said that she had uh, classmates who, when they were adults, she would go to visit and they would have... Uh, a communist flag hanging in their living room. And so that's mm. how influential the curriculum has been and the very um, nefarious pedagogies that are being taught in government schools. We don't, we don't recommend anyone have their kids in government schools now. Uh, you have to protect your children. Uh, you have to get them out. Uh, but, but we do have plans, as I suggested, to try to um, rectify the situation. And, and really, our organization is, our latest project is looking at if the government schools are redeemable, because there are so many tentacles that would have to be uh, rooted out in order for the government schools to be um, a good place for a child to be educated. But in the meantime, we can't leave the other kids behind, and we need to fight for those children and for our country. That's what I tell people. Even if you don't have kids in parent, uh, excuse me, if you're not a parent, you don't have kids in government schools. You know, a lot of people, they just tune out when they hear about education because their kids aren't in school, then they don't have to worry about that. But our right. country's freedom is at stake. And so yeah. that's why every freedom loving American needs to be involved. They need to become educated and get in the fight with us to stop the indoctrination of children in government schools.
Amen. That is so well said. If you're just tuning in, folks, Truth and Liberty here, Alex McFarland with Sherry Few. And Sherry, you know, I've kind of changed on this. My mother, she's in heaven now. She was a godly woman, a devout Christian, but my mother was a public school teacher for 28 years. My sister was for a number of years a high school science teacher. And my sister-in-law still is a public school teacher in rural North Carolina. But I've come to believe that, look, if you're a Christian family, if you're a family that loves this country, uh, and I'm just speaking for myself here, but I, I really, I, I think you've got to get your kids out of public education. And Sherry, I, I didn't come to this decision lightly, but, you know, I've spoken in 2,200 churches. We, had, we, we led seven youth camps this summer uh, with well over 1,200 teenagers, middle school, high schoolers. And look, I've heard firsthand, and I've had people call, email, I mean, anti-God, anti-America, anti-family, definitely anti-morals, pro-socialism, pro-Marxism, pro-atheism, evolution, secularism, sexual promiscuity, lawlessness. I mean, uh, and I know there's so many young people, and they're gifted, and they, they want to do something with their life, and maybe they've got just this tangential knowledge of, of you know, America. But I got to tell you, as I was a youth pastor full-time for 11 years, and then I've been on the road as an evangelist for 25 years, um, a huge part of why the minds of young people are so twisted up and their behavior and lifestyle follows is that they have not been educated. They've been programmed to be nice little compliant socialists. And I, I blame the content of public education for so very much uh, that's wrong with our country. Well, I agree with you, Alex, as you know. And so I think that education is the most important domestic policy facing our country. It, it is that critical. And so I, I recommend that your viewers um, access a film that we released last year. It's called Truth and Lies in American Education. And they can find the film at truthandliesfilm.us. So they can begin there. If some of the things we're talking about are shocking to them or they may question, they can go to this um, to view our film. They can rent it. They can download it. They can purchase the DVD. And I'm giving permission to anyone who purchases the DVD to show it in large audiences. There's not a license fee required because it's just so important for us to get this information into hands of everyone. So they can start by viewing the film where we've interviewed experts that have written books and scholars who have studied these issues and they know firsthand what the truth is. And that's the reason we called it, we named it Truth and Lies in American Education because we are shedding light on the truth and exposing the lies that are being taught in government schools. Because really that's, that's all that it is. Children are being lied to. It's definitely indoctrination, but it's absolutely not the truth, what they're being taught. They're being yeah. taught that their country is a bad country, that we've always oppressed people from the beginning. They, they wanna tell children that it wasn't 1776, but rather in 1619, and they tie that to systemic racism. 
And, yes. and that's the foundation of their learning. And then on top of that, there's there's the overt sexualization starting at oh very God. young ages. So and, and and it's an intentional to, to tear down the family. Yes, the hypersexualization of children, and of course, just uh, transgenderism. Uh, listen, I've I've read volumes of of data from psychologists and sociologists that not not Christians that we know of, and not preachers on a soapbox, but I'm talking mental health professionals that are aghast at the ways that young people are being really groomed toward transgenderism, uh, being really coached, question your gender. Um, Over the summer in one of our camps, uh, a high schooler was telling us that they were told to, uh, the boys were told to put on makeup and try to pursue and explore and be open to your feminine side. And so this is crazy. This is crazy. Now, uh, Sherry, if you would give your website, and what what can parents and concerned adults do to be a force that the force we need to exert in terms of education and maybe the hopeful uh, reformation of the Department of Education or maybe the abolition of the U.S. Department of Education? But give your website and tell us what we can do. Sure. So our website is USPIE, that's USPI.org. The name of our organization is United States Parents Involved in Education, and that's the acronym. So if they go to our website, there are a lot of good resources there for parents, Uh, not only parents, like I said, citizens, freedom-loving Americans who want to get in the fight with us. And we need everybody in the fight because what we learned when we traveled to Washington, D.C. in 2018 to share our blueprint with legislators and think tanks about how to close the Department of Ed, what we learned was uh, congressmen are not interested in anything you have to say unless you are a constituent. So we recognize the need to have a chapter in every state and boots on the ground people that can influence their own elected officials uh, if we're going to be effective in what we're doing. So they can go again to our website, uspie.org. They can sign up to join the movement and that will um, allow them to uh, receive emails that will help them stay informed about the issues of the day and different ways that they can get involved. So we encourage them to do that. And if there's a chapter in your state, we can connect you with the chapter president so that you can get involved locally. And we're even starting to establish regional chapters within states. So go to the website, uh, send us an email, tell us you'd like to get involved, and we will get you connected. And we would greatly appreciate everyone's help. Amen. Amen. This is exciting, Sherry. I mean, it really is. And, you know, I kind of think one of the one of the things about the Truth and Liberty program is we're almost like this clearinghouse. We meet so many fascinating individuals like yourself that are just you're working for God and country. And folks, um, look, go on the website, uh, USPI.org, United States Parents Involved in Education, USPIE.org, and find out where the chapter is in your state. Or if there isn't a chapter, uh, people can start one. Now, I'm, I'm assuming, Sherry, you, you tell people how they can start a chapter, right? Absolutely. Yes. On the website, it will tell you. Um, in fact, it, 
I'm kind of crazy, but I have my own personal email and phone number on the website. People are welcome to give me a call. I may refer them to, to someone else as I have to delegate some things, but we can absolutely get you uh, to establish a chapter in your state. And it's not a complicated thing. Um, it's just a matter of being connected. You know, it, it, there's great value in connecting with people in other states and sharing what's happening in your state. And we do that once a month and we learn from one another and support each other in, in our efforts. Amen. Folks, if you've got a question for Sherry or myself, or maybe on this very special edition of Truth and Liberty, maybe you want to share some uh, memories of 9-11. You know, it's almost like the Kennedy assassination, although that was before I was born, but people say they remember where they were when JFK was assassinated. And maybe you remember what went through your heart and your mind. Maybe you want to talk about that. Maybe you want to talk about praying for our nation going forward. But the good news is God is on his throne and God is at work. And like Andrew said during the conference, we believe a movement is in process. The great awakening is happening and may God grant that it does. Stay tuned, a brief break, and we're back after this. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I wanna remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here. So honored that you're listening. And we're going to go to phone calls in just a moment. That number is 719-619-2341. But I want to say a big thank you to the people that pray for and support this growing movement called Truth and Liberty. Just this past weekend, we had a, a conference there on the campus of Karis. And I don't know how many people were there, but it was uh, north of a thousand people, maybe maybe eighteen hundred people. I don't know, but so many people came up to me and they said, "We love truth and liberty. It keeps us pumped up. We're getting equipped. We're getting informed. Truth and liberty is just such a very vital part of our day." And think about it: uh, five days a week, live. And this is no this is no small undertaking. But Andrew Womack had the vision, and an incredible team of people is making it happen. Uh, a crew, cameras, television, and five nights a week with world-class content and great guests like Sherry Few tonight and uh, elected officials, academics, thinkers, people that are shaping opinions and equipping us to defend 
God and country. Folks, Truth and Liberty is a movement that you need to be a part of. And I want to ask you to support financially. And if you go to the website, truthandliberty.net slash donate, folks, your gift uh, is, is good uh, seed in, in a fruitful movement. And so we want to see this thing come to as, as full of fruition as possible. And your gift, if you would give at least $5 a month, a recurring gift of at least $5 a month, you'll be a partner, a Truth and Liberty partner. But um, who knows, uh, maybe something unexpected comes and you come across money and you want to give a donation and God's moved on your heart to uh, invest somewhere. Truth and Liberty is a good place to donate and invest, and I would ask you to please do that. And one of the things we're talking about is education, because sadly, our public schools, that's what Sherry Few and I have been talking about, and I know firsthand from traveling and speaking, our public schools are not just about um, learning they're about an agenda. Sherry, over this past summer in our seven youth camps, and if the Lord allows, we'll do 10 youth camps next summer. But kids were telling me things about what they uh, learn in school. And I'll never forget a young man said to me, he said, sometimes, because, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving, a twisted up retelling of Thanksgiving, Columbus, this evil Columbus brought European diseases to the North American continent. And this young man said to me, he said, sometimes I think my teachers want us to hate America. And I think that's probably true. Um, public education and the content is part of the problem, isn't it, Sherry? Yes, it is. And it's really sad that a young person has to have that perception of their teacher. But I think what's happened in a large way is that you know, the teachers are fully indoctrinated before they hit the classroom in the colleges and universities. The College of Education is one of the most liberal. And, and you know, they've been teaching and training teachers in critical Marxist theories for, for decades. And, you know, it's just now coming into the K-12 classrooms, but it's been there for a very long time. So I think we're losing the good teachers, the, the teachers like your mother, uh, who who was very patriotic, I've heard you say, and yeah. and loved our country. And, you know, the good teachers are saying, I can't do this anymore. I cannot be a part of this. And so what we're left with is the very young teachers, again, that are fully indoctrinated before they hit the classroom. They've been in K-12 themselves indoctrinated and then moved into the colleges and universities where they were just, um, if they had any semblance of a Christian faith. It's usually destroyed by the time they leave. And so they go into the classroom and they are teaching very anti-American um, propaganda. And it's very, I was raised in the military. My father was, mm. uh, he passed away last year, but he was an Air Force fighter pilot, retired as a brigadier general. And he instilled in us great patriotism and i think oh, yeah. most families did of our generation and so this new um way of thinking for you know teachers to be steeped in the idea that we are a bad country is so very sad because 
you know, people are flocking to get in this country, not because it's a bad country, but because it's a wonderful country. And and I wish that some of these people could go and visit some of these other countries that are so critical of ours and realize that our precious freedom has allowed us to be prosperous nation and and the you know the power of of the whole world the superpower mm-hmm. we we became that way because of our foundations and our faith and and in our beliefs and in a solid um academic education so mm-hmm. a again i don't recommend any parent um put their kids in government schools they have to find an alternative and then get in the fight with the with the rest of us and help stop what's happening to the children that are left behind. Well, well said, Sherry. We're going to go to the phone calls, and we're going to start in Texas, one of my favorite places in the world, Texas. Donna, uh, I know you're a partner, and you pray and support, and I want to say thank you so much for being a part of Truth and Liberty. And uh, welcome. You're our first caller tonight. Uh, Yay, yay. My question is, if we were to get a good president, which we're praying we will, does that president have any or the president have any authority over what is being taught from kindergarten or preschool to 12th grade? I know the colleges, they don't. I don't think they do. But does the president have any um, anything he can do about it? Is he? Does he have that power? I guess is the question. That that's a very good question, Donna. So let me can um, explain that to you. So first of all, our organization believes in local and parental control of education. So the the power for what happens in the classroom really should happen on the local level. It should be local school boards and parents deciding what their curriculum is. And so we see that uh, when we have an unsavory uh, president that they abuse their powers as president and try to put out executive orders and other things that influence the classroom. So that's why our organization is so interested in cutting those ties with the federal government when it comes to education, because nowhere in the constitution does it say that the federal government has any authority in education so anything that's not mentioned in the constitution is left to the states so we do we do of course believe in parental and local control but if and and beyond that states but never beyond the state and so a good president however could set the tone on education um, they certainly appoint the um, Secretary of Education, who's over the U.S. Department of Education, which, of course, we'd like to see that just go away. Um, but, you know, I think five of the candidates running on the Republican ticket have already said that we need to abolish the U.S. Department of Education. So they mm. can certainly um, set a tone. They can help lead efforts like that. They can influence Congress to help us accomplish that. So there are things that a good president can do, but by and large, it really needs to come from the local level. Uh, Sherry, I'm gonna show my ignorance here. Let me ask you, when did the U.S. Department of Education get established? Do you know? Yes, it was in 1980, I believe. It was under um, um, Carter, President Carter. Yes, that's when it was started. Under yep. Carter. 
Because think about this, and, and Donna, thank you so much for your call, and I know we have other callers waiting, and we, we will get to you, so callers, hang on. By the way, if you want to weigh in on the conversation, everybody, it's 719-619-2341. Listen to this, and, and you'll see why I'm digressing, folks. But um, during the 2020 election, I was asked to write a book. It was the summer of 2020. And uh, Harrison House Publishers called me. They said, we want a book on politics. So I began a book called, that ultimately was titled, The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. It became a bestseller on Amazon for like three weeks. It was the number one book on politics and culture. But I mentioned on some radio shows, now listen to this, folks, that I was writing a book on America. And initially the book was simply to be about our loss of morals, natural law, moral truth. Well, an unmarked envelope shows up on my doorstep one day. It was postmarked Washington, D.C. And somebody sent me, and look, this is is true. They said, uh, Dear Mr. McFarland, I I hear you on the radio. I work for the Democrat Party. I'm an insider of the DNC, but I'm really concerned where the party is going. I'm really concerned where the country's going. Here is the Biden platform. If he's elected, uh, this is kind of the the real agenda. And I put it in my book, uh, in my book, The Assault on America. Now, that, that came out shortly before the 2020 election. And there were some people who said to me, oh, my goodness, Alex, this is kind of alarmist. But Point by point, opening the southern border, millions of undocumented people coming here, uh, adding one to two million illegals to the voter rolls. I mean, it's happening. But Sherry, part of what um, they want to do is federalize local law enforcement. Now, even some liberals have pushed back and said, you know, we don't want one federal police force. That would be a police state. You know, we don't want to be North Korea. Uh, law enforcement is local. That, that seems like a no-brainer. But here's the thing, folks. Why should education be federalized? You know, I mean, it's almost like because of the U.S. Department of Education and the hyper, not just secular, but Marxist philosophy that permeates uh, federal education, Look, if if we don't want law enforcement federalized, why should your child's classroom be under the the iron fist of the federal government? Now, that's a long way to set up your response, but um, you're right. All of the powers not enumerated to the U.S. government by the Constitution are in the hands of the state, and education should be localized, not federalized. Right, Sherry? Absolutely. And ever since the U.S. Department of Education was instituted, we have seen decline, not improvement in, in academics. And the money that we spend and through the federal government on education just continues to escalate. I, I believe it's near $10 billion now. It's just absolutely unnecessary and harmful. So we're spending all this money and, and what the result we're getting is damage and abuse on children. So, mm. it, you know, it, it has to end. And that's why our organization is so focused on that as our mission. So I mentioned in 2018, we created a blueprint about how to close the U.S. Department of Education. Well, you know, and 
step-by-step about how it can happen because people talk about it, but who's actually made a plan? And so just this week, actually, we published um, this new blueprint and it's the blueprint to establish control, state control of education. So this is a blueprint for states that shows them how they can wean themselves off the federal dole. So mm. the um, there are states that are actually talking about it. We have Tennessee and Texas, and um, I believe it's Connecticut that's already beginning to look at it. In Tennessee, the Speaker wow. of the House there established a committee to review um, the involvement with the federal government in their education. And so our blueprint lays it out for states. It, it starts with analyzing uh, your revenue from you know all the revenue that you take in, federal, state, and local, and then do a cost of compliance study to see how much money it costs a state to comply with all the federal regulations. Because on average, only about 11% of a state's education budget comes from the federal government. So then if they do a cost analysis and find, well, we're spending half of that, you know, and uh, complying with regulations, then, then the benefit is even less. And so they can look at this small amount of money, comparatively speaking, uh, percentage-wise, and, and whether it's worth um, releasing control of the classrooms for that small amount of money. So our plan, I think, is just, um, it's, it's perfect timing for this plan. And we're so glad that some states are looking at it. And we're actually looking forward to traveling to Florida soon too, to work with some people down there um, and take a look at this. So this is a very doable thing and states are beginning to look at it. You know, it's, it's a shame that we send our money to the federal government for education, they siphon off the majority of it for bureaucracy and other things. They send pennies back to us with strings attached. And mm. that's what has to end. Wow. Well, let's go to South Carolina. Linda in South Carolina, thanks for holding. Uh, and welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you. And you just basically answered my question about how to abolish the U.S. Department of Education. I am a retired high school English teacher and librarian, uh, 33 years. And from all those years that I was in public schools, I saw the U.S. government get more and more involved, and I saw a decline in so many areas. And is that something that the president can do? He can just, as president, he can say, this department is gone. I don't want you anymore. Can he get rid of it like that? I wish he could, Linda, especially if we get the right president, that would be awesome. I don't believe he can do that with an executive order. And, and the other thing is, it's not just the U.S. Department of Ed, and that's why our mission is a little broader, to close U.S. Ed and to end all federal education mandates, because there are so many laws on the books, federal laws, like the uh, Every Student Succeeds Act, which is you know, it's um, it, it was no child left behind. It just keeps getting reauthorized. So there are so many requirements that, that uh, come along with that money that is set in, in federal law. So there are laws that have to be overturned. Uh, but that's why, you know, that's a big, big task. But what I explained about states weaning themselves off isn't nearly as difficult. And it's still going to take a lot of political will. It's not going to happen overnight. But again, I'm just so excited to learn that states are beginning to consider this. And so, Linda, let me just um, mention to you, too, that 
I live in South Carolina and that's where my um, activism began. And we started as South Carolina Parents Involved in Education. Uh, we led the fight against the Common Core Standards here and then uh, expanded into a national organization. So Linda, I pray that you'll go to the website and, and reach out to me. Like I said, my email address is there. I'd love to connect with you. And, and, and if you're interested, we can get you connected here in South Carolina. You. Um, also, I was teaching during 9-11, and it was just amazing wow. to see how the country came together and the um, just how the, even the students, I didn't have to fight them when we were saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, it mm. was just amazing to see the patriotism. My dad was a War II vet. My husband was a Vietnam vet. So I'm very supportive of our military, and I get very upset when anyone wants to talk about burning the flag or step on the flag or doing any, taking a knee at a football game or whatever. I just get very upset over it. So I just yeah. was, it would just be so wonderful for our country to get back to that love for our country instead of pointing fingers at each other and, and shouting hate. And I just wish that teachers were allowed to teach. I know I have yeah. former students who are teaching now and they are wonderful Christian teachers. Some of them teach science. And I know that when they teach science and evolution, they say this is a theory because they struggle deeply with having to say that this is where we came from. So I know that there are good Christian teachers out there and, and public students, school students need Christian teachers in that classroom to model mm -hmm. morals and things of that nature. So I'm thankful that they're there, but I'm thankful for people like you who are trying to get change in the schools and trying to get the government out. Because when I started teaching, I could teach. When I ended my teaching career, it was a whole different ball game, And there were so many demands that I had some days difficulty teaching to meet all the government demands. So I applaud you for what you're doing and just pray that a lot of people will get on board and that we will see some change in my lifetime. And for my granddaughter, who's a ninth grader, she has been pulled out of public school since COVID. And she is now in a Christian online high school. And I'm so thankful because she's getting moral, she's getting Bible, and she has that patriotism. She really doesn't have a choice to have that. But anyway, um, I'm just thankful for all that you're doing. Thank you. Mm. Thank you Thank for you, that Linda. call, Linda. Uh, praise God. Folks, the number is 719-619-2341. We're talking about the state of education and change. We're talking with Sherry Few. Uh, but it is 9-11. And if you want to share some memories of that or just what's What's on your heart and in your in your spirit relative to our country, 9-11, the way it's uh, remembered and in some circles not even acknowledged anymore. But uh, let's uh, go to Illinois. Linda in Illinois, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome to, I'm going to be in Illinois to preach. I'll have to put that up on the calendar. But Linda, thanks for holding and welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you, and I'd like to find out where and when you're going to be here. But I just wanted to bring in some good news, and that's that uh, every county capital in Illinois, people from all over yeah, Illinois went to the capital m this morning at noon and was praying for our country and took communion and anointed the capitals with oil. Praise God. And that was in, in every county of Illinois? 
In every county in Illinois, yes. Well, all awesome. right. <laughs> that is That's great. Awesome. Praise God. Well, um, uh, Linda, how did that get organized? Do you know? I'm not sure. It was up on Facebook and stuff, and I think there was a couple, you know, that really kind of went behind it and organized it. But, you know, some of the churches fell in and, you know, that we all met there and it was awesome. It was so good. You know, there was just a, such power of the Holy Spirit and, and God and all that. And we stayed for a little over an hour and then wow. at the courthouse mm -hmm. praying. Amen. Linda, uh, awesome. let me ask you this. Do, do you remember what you were doing on the morning of September 11, 22 years ago? Yes, I do. I was sitting at my computer and a friend of mine called and said, turn on the TV. And I turned on the TV just in time to see the second plane hit the second tower yeah. and that watch it come down. Yeah. You know, um, my, my mother, I mentioned my mom, uh, she was, uh, she was a very sharp individual and I'll never forget, uh, Linda and Sherry. I, I was at home, um, and getting ready for my day. And my mom called me and she said, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. The first plane had hit. And yeah, you know, we're like, you know, I'm trying to process this. There's the World Trade Tower. And my mom said, we're at war. And I said, no, nah, I, I don't know about that. Maybe this is an accident. While we're in mid-sentence, the second plane hit the other tower. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we're probably, this is intentional. And, um, you know, it, it's really kind of like the world's never quite been the same since then. But it's 9-11, folks. Hope you're praying for our country. And I hope you're courageously standing for truth as Sherry Few. Sherry, give your website again, and then we'll continue with our callers. Sure. Our website is USPIE. That's USPI.org. And for your last caller, we have a good chapter established in Illinois. And the chapter president there has just been an awesome leader. He's standing up against the um, the drag queen story hours and the yeah. pornography in in the books in the schools. He's he's caught a lot of grief for it. Antifa has come after him. They've tried to um, have him lose his job. They continue to attack him, but he's a very courageous and bold leader, and he's doing an excellent job in Illinois. Amen. Praise God. Linda, God bless you. And thank you for uh, being a part of Truth and Liberty. Folks, if you want to weigh in on the conversation, it's 719-619-2341. We're going to go to Randall in Colorado. Uh, we'll begin and we might have to finish this question on the other side of a break. But Randall, uh, thanks for holding and welcome to the program. Thank you, Alex, for taking my call. Um, my question is, um, we just had the Truth and Liberty Conference. I enjoyed meeting you and all that. And Tennessee, being from Tennessee, Tennessee operates in the black. I don't think a lot of states do. And so my question is, coming from that standpoint, how do we turn the ship around and then the other thing, are we too far gone to turn it around? Uh, mm. Shouldn't parents be standing on the street corner going, get your kids out of public schools, pastors shouting it from the, from the pulpit? 
Sherry, what do you say? Well, you know, I, that's where we are uh, as an organization. We're, we're wondering, um, is it redeemable? So, and, I, and I've challenged our research committee. They're the ones who developed our blueprints. And so when we had this discussion recently, I said, well, I think that's our next project. I think we need to see because uh, we have a really astute leader that's um, from Michigan and she's, she's just very um, thoughtful on these matters. She heads the research committee and she had said, you know, you would have to do this, you'd have to do this. There were so many things that would have to change because um, it's not just the local control, which is a key component, but there's there's the teacher certification programs. There's there's a ton of layers to this. So they are going to be looking at that and developing a report on what they find as far as whether government schools are redeemable. And at the same time, we have movements for alternative types of education. In fact, there is an organization in the Northeast, in the New England states, that are um, forming a new school system based on biblical liberty. So mm. people are beginning to recognize that um, there is a demand for an alternative. And so there are even things like um, cottage schools that, that have been started where teachers who um, have left the government school system that are Christians and can't teach what's what's being they're being told to teach, um, they're being hired by families. Families are coming together and they hire a teacher to kind of like the old schoolroom type style um, classroom where you have one teacher and several families coming together to pay her salary and for the, the venue. So there are alternatives and we're looking at whether or not they're redeemable. Uh, it would take a lot of work, a lot of prayer, but we know that we can do all things through God. So we're um, working on that to see how that might look. Amen. Amen. Randall, great question. And uh, we've got a break coming up, folks. But Sherry, let me just say this, and we can unpack this farther. Parents do have the right to oversee their child's education, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Supreme Court ruled um, that they have the indisputable right to direct the upbringing and the education of their children. So that's that's set in stone. Unfortunately, the local bureaucrats have not gotten a hold of that. And we can talk about this a little more on the other side of the break. But yeah, there's a lot of people, elected officials and other bureaucrats who think that parents should have no say mm. in children's education. Hold that thought. Uh, folks, this is Truth and Liberty. We've got a break. Don't go away. We're back after this brief intermission. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. It's not enough to know what God's will is, but you have to learn how to do things God's way. Now, because of the new man on the inside of me, because of the cross, I can daily deny self. And if you don't learn to do that, you're not gonna fulfill all God's will for your life. You know, you don't find the beginning of God until you get to the end of yourself. This generation, 
is a generation of great darkness and God is raising up a deliverer to shine in the midst of all of this darkness. But in Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Christ. Some people just quote, I can do all things. No, you can't. But through Christ, you can do all things. You got to have these two opposites in balance. I'm nothing, but I'm everything in Christ. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland, so honored that you're watching. We're talking about America, land that I love. And a lot of our cultural DNA and present and future life and the state of the nation is the result of what goes on in the classroom. And so, uh, you know, the old saying, children live what they learn. Children live what they learn. And that's why it's so important. We're talking with Sherry Few, who is making a difference through the U.S. Parents Involved in Education. Uh, if you've got a question for Sherry or myself, or if you want to talk about 9-11 and uh, what's on your heart here on this 22nd anniversary of the Trade Towers and the Pentagon attack, and of course, Flight 93 that crashed in rural Pennsylvania, really an act of heroism because uh, it probably would have hit the U.S. Capitol or maybe the White House. But the number, if you want to call in, is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. By the way, uh, you need to subscribe to the Truth and Liberty website, truthandliberty.net. Uh, slash subscribe. There are a lot of articles. I've got three articles I've written that I need to send to Richard Harris to post on the website, and uh, I need to get on that. But there is so much good content from attorney, pastor, cultural commentator Richard Harris, Andrew Womack. And let me just say that Truth and Liberty is grateful that you are watching. We appreciate your prayers and involvement. Be a subscriber, and let's together get equipped to influence our country back toward truth. If you've got a question or you want to comment, the number is 719-619-2341. Hey, uh, Sherry, I, I was thinking about um, the Gettysburg Address, which I really love. And, you know, I've been to the spot. They, they as best they can discern, the exact spot where Lincoln stood when he gave the Gettysburg Address. And it includes the phrase, uh, let's endeavor that these men will not have died in vain. And when I think about 9-11, or all the people, the men and women that uh, in the military and in law enforcement, and just so many people that gave their lives for America, uh, and I'm not being trite or superficial, I hope, but it dawned on me, I was, I was just a teenager it, years before I was a Christian, but when we would say the Pledge of Allegiance or when I would hear the national anthem at an event, it, it moved me somehow. And I thought it took a lot of scars and stripes to create the stars and stripes and the people that died at Valley Forge. But uh, Sherry, when I think about 9-11, and the people that died in the Trade Towers, the first responders that rushed in. I mean, the, look, while people are wanting to defund the police, let's not forget the heroic efforts of the NYPD that saved so many lives, many of whom firefighters and law enforcement officers and um, you know ambulance personnel that died, but saved some lives. Then I think about 
Flight 93, that they crashed it in Pennsylvania uh, rather than let it hit another building. All right, to paraphrase Lincoln, we must endeavor that these people will not have died in vain. Hopefully, viewers, you'll not die in the cause of freedom, but we can live and do what we can do for God and country. And yes, for a Christian, patriotism is absolutely appropriate because it's a free, stable, prosperous America that enables us to give to the Great Commission, to have freedom of expression. We can talk about Jesus. We can tell people how to be set free and saved. So patriotism, uh, Sherry, I'm huge on patriotism, and I'm old enough uh, every morning, literally every morning at Pleasant Garden Elementary School, we said the Pledge of Allegiance. Sherry, the Pleasant Garden Elementary where I went, uh, we had a Christmas play, not a, not a winter holiday. We had a Christmas play. And when I was in second grade, Sherry, if you can believe it, but it's true, um, I was Joseph in the school Christmas play where we reenacted the Bethlehem manger scene. Um, that wouldn't happen today, would it? No, unfortunately, it would not. And, you know, it... Um... It really grieves me, too, because I'm very patriotic. You know, I, like I said, growing up in the military, the, those values were just instilled in me. And, and you're right. It Being patriotic should be very compatible with being a Christian. Um, if you understand the foundation of our, our country, our founding fathers um, were strong Christians. In fact, they came to America in order to um, establish you know, an opportunity to have uh, freedom of religion. And so many of them, of course, were Christian. Um, when my son was in a, um, a program at school, we went to visit Washington, D.C., and I bought a book that uh, guided you around to look for the scriptures all over the Capitol. I mean, all over Washington, D.C. It's on the uh, Washington Monument. On um, There's a picture of the Ten Commandments engraved on the doors of the Supreme Court. It yeah. is everywhere that the, the traces of our Christian foundation of this country. So it is. Uh, and and, you know, in fact, in the rotunda, um, one of five of the seven pictures painted in the rotunda have Christian images. One is of Pocahontas's baptism. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very disturbed uh, that there are so many churches today that refuse to talk about anything in the culture. And I think yes. it's absolutely part of the problem is that churches um, are not stepping up and speaking out and uh, encouraging their flocks to get involved and fight against these things that are happening in our culture and particularly um, our country. And the very basic freedom we enjoy is the freedom of a religion. And if they think that's not on the radar to be taken away, they better think again. Oh, exactly, exactly. And, and let me say, folks, uh, this weekend, it was very much in the news, the governor of New Mexico suspended uh, people's right, their Second Amendment rights to have a firearm, or she attempted to. And she couched it under the guise of, quote, a public health crisis. And so even some liberal Democrats, which 
that's redundant, liberal Democrat. Uh, <laughs> even some Democrats cried foul when she said the Constitution is fluid and our constitutionally protected rights are not uh, absolute and uninterrupted. Well, that's just treasonous, really. But folks, you've got to understand those on the left are floating these little trial balloons to see how much you will tolerate the the revoking of your constitutional rights. And, and right on the chopping block is the right of freedom of speech and freedom of religious expression. Uh, Sherry, I don't know if you remember this, but um, even as far back as the 2016 election when Hillary Clinton was launching one of her numerous failed presidential bids. But Hillary Clinton talked about um, freedom of worship. Now, you, you've got to understand, folks, fr freedom of worship is liberal code speak for, yes, you can worship any God you want, but keep it to yourself. Keep it quiet within the confines of your, your mind. But the, the founders didn't die at Valley Forge for you to quietly, privately just think about God in your mind only. Freedom of speech. We can say publicly, Jesus is Lord. There is no Savior but Jesus Christ. Homosexuality is a sin. And that's why, folks, hate crime legislation making uh, quote-unquote misgendering a crime in Michigan right now— uh, and I, I hope that Governor Whitmer will veto this, although, you know, she's an arch liberal herself. But the House in Michigan has passed a bill that could make it punishable up to five years in prison if you accidentally or intentionally misgender someone. Uh, so, uh, Sherry, I mean, kids get their political philosophy to, in large measure uh, from what they learn in the public school classroom. And this is all the more reason that we have to really take charge of where our education is taking these young lives. Yes, that, that is so important to understand. And, you know, it begins very early and, you know, it's throughout the standards and the government wants um, our children younger. You know, that's the whole push for pre-K and government-funded pre-K, um, they they want to control them even beyond college. Um, they changed the name of the system from K-12 to P-20W, which P is preschool, uh, 20 is you know the 12 years plus college, and W mm -hmm. is into the workforce. So they've been data tracking children. Um, they want to they want to begin even pre-birth data tracking children and putting all of this data into a database that the government have on every person in this country. So yeah, they, they want to get them younger. They want to keep them longer. They've got the after school programs. And you know, you've heard so much talk about year round schools. Well, children are already spending more of their waking hours in the classroom than they are at home or, or with their church families. And, and that's, that's, a, you know, that's the majority of their information. And, you know, good parents teach their children to respect their elders and, and authority. And so children are listening and believing and, and soaking up um, 
things that aren't true, the lies mm-hmm. that they're teaching them. And, you know, when you talk about the whole um, transgender, and I don't even like to call it that because that's their terminology, you yeah. know, biologically, biologically, it's sex. So your yeah. sex is determined biologically uh, by chromosomes and, and you can't change that. And to say that you can is a lie. It's yes. just not even scientifically accurate. And so that's, that's what right. I don't understand about the liberals that are so bent on science. This is this has got to be the one issue that you cannot defy through science. Oh, my goodness. What could be more objectively, undeniably true than the fact that there are two genders, male and female? The pelvic bone is gender specific. Forensic pathologists can look at a cadaver and they can tell by the pelvic pelvic bone, was it a man or a woman? Uh, if, if the skeleton is of a female, uh, they can tell if she ever gave birth. Uh, I, I know uh, it's just, it's unbelievable where we are, but it's almost like Romans 1 verse 22, speaking of uh, whenever cultures reject God, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Hey, we're going to go to Alex in Colorado. Alex is a subscriber to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for holding. And uh, Alex, I like your name. You've got a really good name there. (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. You've got a great name yourself. God bless you. Um, What is your question or comment tonight on Truth and Liberty? I was wondering uh, if the left or right didn't seem to like the way education was turning into, would would they be able to abolish the Department of Education, and what would it turn into if it was? Mm. Sherry, well, what, what do you I, say? Well, I say it is absolutely possible to abolish the Department of Education, and again, we've developed a br- blueprint that has a step-by-step process for that to happen. And that blueprint can be found at uspie.org. So um, in addition to that, what it would look like is it would, if you eliminated the federal governments involved in education involvement, you would have states with the authority over education determining um, the education in their state. But even beyond that, we believe the best education policy is developed on the local level. So we support and want to restore parental and local control of education. So let me give you a quick example of how upside down this has become. So um, we have a a project we call Millstone of the Month, where we award someone each month that's been the most egregious when it comes to education policy. And my goodness, there's so many nominees each month and it's hard to choose. But this month, our Millstone of the Month award went to um, the California Attorney General and a judge in New Jersey who um, have overturned local school policy or attempted to. So in in the case of um, California, the Attorney General sued a school board who decided on a policy that parents would have to be notified of their children's gender preferences. So the school board themselves in very liberal California decided parents have the right to know if their kids are, you know, um, dabbling with uh, gender fluidity. 
Right. So, so they have the absolute right to do that. They're duly elected officials uh, to represent the parents and the community members. And yet the attorney general of that state um, filed a lawsuit against them. A judge upheld his decision. And then the same thing was happening in New Jersey, overturning local policy. And, and that's just upside down. Yeah. Well, it's, it's lawlessness. Uh, Alex, that's a great question. Um, I, I want to circle back, but uh, did you have another uh, question? Or, or Sherry, let me do this, because we've got an email question that's come in uh, that was, if the part, Department of Ed is abolished, and if there, if there aren't federal funds, how will the poorer states manage? And I know, um, I, I'm thinking of some you know, very impoverished localities, um, north and south. But yeah, how would the poorer states manage? Well, first of all, again, let me remind you that um, only about 11% of a state's budget on average comes from the federal government. So if you're talking about poorer states, um, usually most states have pockets of poverty. Uh, mm -hmm. Like in South Carolina, we have it in rural communities. So what what we've decided is, and, and let me circle back too to what we talked about earlier, about how we're currently sending our money to the federal government, and then they're siphoning off most of it and sending back pennies. So if we were to keep our money within our states, obviously we're going to have a lot more to work with than sending it there and them taking the majority of it and sending it back with strings attached. Now, the other part of our plan, as far as states weaning themselves off, is that you would have to have some sort of a federal offset uh, tax. And this is this is our what we're calling it, um, where an individual would be able to pay fewer taxes on their income uh, than they would or ordinarily because we're not receiving the services from the federal government any longer. So I encourage um, your viewers to go to our website and download the blueprint to establish state control of education. And it's it's written in layman's terms. It's very simple, straightforward. Anyone can understand it. And, and look at the plan that we have. And this will work in any state, whether they're, uh, they have a lot of revenue or not, because it's a mm -hmm. matter of keeping the money within your state to do your own programs, that you can control and regulate without being told by the federal government how to educate the children in your state. Wow. Now, uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, Truth and Liberty, Alex McFarland here tonight with our guest, Sherry Few. Uh, I want to talk about the, the film uh, and uh, where, where can people see it? What's the film about? And where can people maybe even show it in their, in their city or show it at church? Talk about that, please, Sherry. Okay, thank you. So the name of the film is Truth and Lies in American Education, and they can find it at the website truthandliesfilm.us, and that's spelled out truth, A-N-D, liesfilm.us. So they can go there and they can rent it very inexpensively, or they can uh, stream it, or they can buy the DVD. And so, as I mentioned earlier, Alex, um, we're, we are so interested in getting this information into the hands of, of every American that we're not requiring a licensing fee for them to show the film. If they buy the DVD, they can set up something in their church or in their community.
and, and do a showing. And in a lot of cases, um, we've been contacted and we have been asked to send some of the cast members to some of these screenings and we're able to do that. Some of our cast will, will come at no charge, only need travel expenses so that you can watch the film with a group in your community and then have a, a panel discussion, a Q&A following the film uh, and talking about doing your community to make a difference and to connect with our organization to get organized so that you can get in the fight. Mm, that is powerful. Truth and lies in AmericanEducation.org or .com. Which uh, it's, no, it's truthandliesfilm.us. Oh, Truth and, so and Lies I've, Film. Yeah. So there, believe it or not, there's a lot out there that have a website truth and lies so we had to add the film and the dot us to get um but we like having the dot us on the yeah. url you know sherry I've, I've i've told you this story before but it bears repeating um there's a lot we could say liberal ideology but what moves my heart and folks what i hope will move your heart to get involved and pray for our nation uh, go to Sherry's website, get informed whether or not you have school-age kids. What moves my heart is the, the state, the future, and the welfare of young people. And I've shared this story, but I was in Modesto, California on a speaking tour, and I was in a couple of churches, but in half a dozen schools to give a talk on leadership. So I, it just so happened that I was going to go from there to Colorado to be on a panel to moderate debates. There were homeschool kids and some that were in like charter school, classical education. Um, and anyway, I didn't exactly know what that would be about, but I was in this school and in California in the public schools there are metal detectors, you gotta go in. So I'm in this gymnasium, there are like a thousand high schoolers and I'm gonna give a, a leadership talk that as I've done in dozens and dozens of public schools. Um, well, anyway, a fight breaks out, and I watched in this Modesto, California high school, the, the place, hundreds of kids slugging, throwing fists, the, the school principal, the administrators, they could not bring the room to order. And I'll never forget this principal was just in a microphone saying, uh, people, uh, people, people, and it was just pandemonium. I never got to give my talk. A few days later, I'm in Colorado moderating Lincoln-Douglas-style debates from homeschool kids. And it was amazing because I felt like I was, you know, watching, you know, the Supreme Court. These kids were articulate. During one of the breaks, um, a, a child comes up, a little middle school-age kid who's being homeschooled, and said, Mr. McFarland, they mentioned in your bio that you teach apologetics. I love apologetics and rhetoric. And I, I said, wow, what apologists do you like? And he mentioned C.S. Lewis and uh, Sheldon Van Auken and several names. And he said, Thomas Aquinas. He said, in fact, I'm translating the Summa from Latin to English. Now, here's the reason I'm sharing that. In California, in a public high school, I can't even speak because the kids are like beating the daylights out of each other and the teachers couldn't even bring it under control and the cops had to show up. 
I go to where the homeschoolers are debating and a little middle school child tells me, hey, you like Thomas Aquinas? I'm translating his work from Latin to English. And the reason I'm sharing that is I think about what is the future going to be for those two kids? Kids in public school who go and have to watch their back and success is just surviving another day without getting lynched or kids actually developing their their mind to its fullest capabilities. I met William J. Bennett, and Sherry, you you remember William J. Bennett, and I'll never forget, I've met him and I've heard him speak, and he said, the purpose of education is to expand your mind and save your soul. That's what he said, because the acquisition of truth will lead you ultimately to God. Expanding our mind and saving our soul, sadly, that's not what the public classroom is doing today, is it, Sherry? No, it's not. And, you know, a lot of people I don't think are aware that um, the Ivy League schools in our country were founded to train pastors to preach the gospel. So education in our country fundamentally was about being able to read the scriptures and and have it influence your life, you know, along with the printing press, which made uh, Bibles uh, available to everyone. Um, people needed to learn how to read so they could read their scriptures. And, and that was the um, impetus for beginning the what we know today is government schools. So mm-hmm. our, our foundation was right. And as all as many, I won't say all good ideas are based on the right thought. Uh, they get corrupted and perverted, and that's exactly what's happened to the government schools. And we can't we can't expect any child to um, gain a good education in the government schools today. In fact, to the contrary, um, they will be dumbed down. They will be frustrated. Their learning experience will be uh, foundationally ruined intentionally, um, so that they become these empty vessels that they can just pump through a pump full of propaganda. So Mm. it's an intentional agenda. It's very sad. I know it sounds maybe to some of your listeners or viewers, um, conspiracy theorists, but you know, I've been studying education policy for 25 years. And I remember when I first started learning the shocking truths, I felt the same way. So people need to understand that this is, this has been a frog in the water type situation. It started gradually and it's up to the boiling temperature now and people are just steeped in it and it's destroying our country. Uh, I want to get one more call in. Uh, Shannon in New Hampshire. Shannon, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty tonight. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, it's a pleasure. Thank you for holding. What you got, Shannon? So I'm a home educator, and I've been home educating my children for the last uh, 18 years. I've graduated three out of four, and I have always refused any kind of assistance financially from any programs um, because I don't want the government oversight. Every time any kind of money is offered or an offset for tax purposes, there is always some form of catch. And so, Sherry, you mentioned some kind of assistance going forward or, you know, for people to try to bring it to the local level with public education or people homeschooling. And what do you say to that? How do you speak to that to protect homeschoolers so they don't lose the ability to have 
um, you know, I'm a Christian classical homeschooler. Yay. Excellent. Excellent. So first of all, kudos, wonderful thing that you've chosen for your children. And I know that they will benefit greatly. So I do know of that concern from homeschoolers. I've heard it more than once. They're very concerned, particularly about the school choice programs that are being talked about and laws being passed for. And so what I was talking about with the federal offset is, is a very different thing. It's about tax collection. And so it would come from your income tax, which you are already paying income tax. So it would just um, divert the income tax you're already paying into the state government instead of sending it to the federal for education in that within that state. But let me also share this. So um, I've been involved in politics a long time and it's always been the Republican mantra to uh, implement school choice as the silver bullet to the problems in education. But I've evolved on my thoughts on that because I believe putting government money into Christian and private schools will destroy them. And I do believe the government wants to control all forms of education, including homeschool. So I share your concerns and I think they're founded. So we've actually come up with an alternative and we're floating it for first time in South Carolina. We have a Senate bill that would provide a tax credit to parents, just like your federal child tax credit, where you check a box on your income tax and your income tax is reduced by uh, a couple of thousand dollars per child that's not in the government schools. That way, no government money is being given to you. You're just paying fewer taxes. And I'm hoping that'll be a strong alternative for homeschool parents. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Sherry, the time just fleets away. And I it seems like the time has gone so quickly. Uh, sister, I want to say, may God bless you. I thank you for what you're doing on behalf of Americans everywhere. Uh, the two websites, if you would, Sherry, your organization, plus the film that you've helped produce. Give those websites. We've only got about a half a minute left. Sure. So our organization's website is USPIE, that's USPI.org. And then the film's website is truthandliesfilm.us. And I want to thank you, Alex, for all that you do, for having me on today, uh, providing the opportunity to speak truth into the lives of those who are watching. And I pray that those who have heard, I pray that um, I would find favor and that God would anoint these words so that people will be enlightened to the truth about what's Amen. happening. Amen. Thank you, Sherry. If you, folks, may God bless you on this 9-11. May God bless America. Tell somebody about truth and liberty, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.